everybody's got to eat. And nobody likes getting sick. That's why Heroes toil in the shadows, keeping your food safe at all points, from the supply chain to the point of sale. Join industry veterans Francine L. Shaw and Matt Ragusi for a deep dive into food safety. It all boils down to one golden rule. Don't eat poop. Don't eat poop. You know, this is going to air after my son's birthday, but today's my son's birthday. I feel like I should say happy birthday to my son. Oh, you should. I love you, even though it's going to air after his birthday. How about that? Yes. Well, and I'll do the same. This will air after my daughter's graduation, but my daughter graduated high school on Wednesday. So our abnormally busy house is even more busier. I think we have no, no joke. I'm not even exaggerating. 20, I'm counting in my head here right now, 20, 22 people in my house right now. Wow. I mean, like staying the night at my house right now too. I have more than that at my house right now. So normally there's 14 people in your house. So you've added eight. <laughs> yes. I mean, let's put this into perspective. <laughs> that is accurate. Yes. I've added eight. Yeah. Do So do you find this fascinating? Okay. So Francine, you and I, where we grew up, what we, how we grew up. I'm guessing high school wasn't exactly a top priority. It was like, let's survive. <laughs> get me through the day so yeah. I can get to work. <laughs> I mean, do you do you look back and go, oh my gosh, my children, I did a much better job. Like they are way smarter than I am. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, my daughter spoke at graduation and I barely graduated. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I had to go in and like, there were things I had to do. I don't even know if my kids know this. <laughs> there were things I had to do so I could graduate. I think like I hated phys ed. I hated phys ed. So like I did what I could to get out of it. And so I remember I, have to, I had to make up phys ed classes. So I had to go in and like walk the track so many times so I could make up phys ed classes oh, so really? that I could graduate. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that was not me. That, I was the I was the opposite on that one, Francine. I was like sports and girls were like the two things in high school. So I, I phys ed was good, but so this is something else. I remember my teacher saying. So well, I told you I had that teacher that was like, like I got school came fairly easy to me, so I didn't have to study hard to get <laughs> good grades. Thank God, because I never went. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> God, I even hate to say this out loud. I missed 45 days of school my senior year. Really? A whole semester. A whole semester of school my senior year. I mean, my God, that's like, I can't even believe that I'm saying this out loud and it's going to be aired for the world to hear. But, you know, it was like school. Today they call it bullying. But I was so picked on in school that it was horrible. I did anything to get out of school. But it was like because my grades were good in those days, there wasn't really a lot that they did about it. Because, I mean, when somebody has good grades and they're just not coming to school, yeah. <laughs> you know, other than phys ed. Right. Know? Yeah. So so for me, it was different. I, I My freshman, sophomore year, I lived in multiple people's houses. It was It was crazy. My freshman, sophomore year, I had like... I don't know, like a 2.5 GPA. I just never showed up to school. When I did, I would take the test. That was it. Never did assignments. And then my junior and senior year, I ended up uh, moving in with my aunt and uncle. And my aunt was like, you're too smart for this. This is so stupid. 
So my junior year of high school, I had so much to make up that I went to school from seven o'clock in the morning to four o'clock at night. And I had all my sports credits done and I had moved to a different city where I wasn't going to be able to really do sports anymore. So that's why I did choir and drama. So my <laughs> I worked really hard by junior year to the point where I had to take one more class and I could have graduated. And so my aunt and uncle were like, you want to graduate early and just be done with school? And I was like, no, actually, <laughs> my senior year is going to be epic. My senior year, I started <laughs> off at school at like 9.30. I knew I wasn't going to university, right? So so I didn't even take the SATs. My kids are upstairs. There are a bunch of friends here from the family are here because of the graduation. So they're talking about their SAT scores. I didn't even take SATs. I didn't either. My senior year of high school was speech at 9 a.m. So I got sleep in. Speech, stagecraft, choir, TA, and two drama classes. Oh, and uh, I took AP government. I loved studying politics and all that stuff. So I was like, this is awesome. I'll do AP government. So that was my only class that I actually had to do. So I was um, I was working full time, basically. I always did my homework. I was taking care of my younger sisters and my brother. And I was doing my boyfriend's homework. You know what I mean? So it was like, I wasn't lazy. <laughs> it wasn't like I was going wasn't going to school because I was lazy. I just had better things to do than get picked on by the other kids in school because, you know, we've talked about this. I was poor. So I didn't meet the social status, you know, and so I was an easy target. So it's just easier for me to stay home than go to school and get picked on. And, you know, I kind of laugh now because my stepmother's sister worked in the office. Like the attendance office? (laughs) I go in with my note that, you know, my mother had no idea that I wasn't going to school. But, you know, until I did all this other stuff, it's like. School at that point was like, I hate to say this because it's so wrong to give this impression to other kids because it's certainly not the right thing to do and you would not get away with that now. But I just, it was not a priority for me. Right. And it's interesting how it shifted because, so I, just like you, I had to work through high school as well and and all through college as well. But I, I managed to surf shop in my junior and senior year of high school. So I was teaching surfing lessons and managed, a, a, I hired all my, my staff, all my staff, excuse me, was my friends in, in high school. So we spent the whole entire summer at the beach. It's like, like one of those eighties or nineties movies, you know, of some guy hiring all of his friends and just chilling at the beach. It was so awesome. But my boss was like, what do you plan to do for your future? And I'm like, you mean beyond surfing and just hanging out at the beach and, 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 and all that stuff. He's like, yeah, like in the future, what do you plan to do? And I was like, I, I don't know. And he's like, maybe you should go to school for for business. And so that's what I did. Went to junior college, worked during junior college, then night school. And yeah. And so my kids are the same way. They're like way, way, way more school oriented than, than I was. But we have those conversations all the time. Like I'm like, no, you completely different circumstances. <laughs> you know, like, no, you have to graduate. You have to Go to college and, I mean, college could be a trade school, but they have to do something. Right. So see, as a result, I was hyper-focused as, as, as a parent. It was like I wanted their life to be so different than mine. So it was like school was always very much a focus as well as, you know, there were just different. I wanted them to be kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wanted it. I never got to be a child. So I very much wanted them to have the opportunity to be children. And so I was very focused on and aware of what they were, you know, hope I was anyway, what they were doing in school and wanted them to be committed to, you know, being involved in sports and 
extracurricular activities and getting decent grades in school and just focused on being a kid rather than having to be an adult and doing these other things. And I was also on the school board. (laughs) Imagine that. (laughs) Me. (laughs) How ironic is that? Not just one school board, but two, because I was on the school board and I was on the VOTAC school board. Not just that, but, you know, being the overachiever that I am, I was the president of the school board. So, you know, they really didn't stand a chance when it came to getting that way too much. <laughs> right? They dropped their tray at lunchtime, and I knew before they got home from school. So it was like, you know, their their experience was fortunately way different than mine was. But, um, yeah, it's so funny how things come full circle, you know, and the, the experiences were much different. But anyway, yeah, so today's my son's birthday. So, you know, happy birthday to him. And, you know, my granddaughter's birthday is next week, so... Happy birthday to her as well. So, yay. That's there fun. You are. Congratulations to your daughter. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for her. And she had a choice. She got accepted to like almost every university, only one university that she did not get accepted to. And she decided to go to the one that's like 15 minutes from her house. So it's funny because she's like, oh, you're going to miss me so much when I go to college or go off to university. And I'm like, hun. The Costco that we go to is across the street from your university. We'll call you and ask you if you want anything for your dorm. Like <laughs> you could come home and do your laundry. It's not that far, my love. So funny. This is so funny. Whenever the one thing that stuck in my mind when I was on the school board, I had to speak for the kids when the kids graduated. And I can remember as I'm standing up there speaking, you know, to the graduating class and the parents standing there thinking like, if anybody I went to school with could see this right now. Oh, 100, <laughs> 100% Francine. Same with like, you know, like, like the most likely to succeed. I definitely was not on that list oh. in high school. Not at all. But you know, I, I tell my kids all the time, it, the past does not define you. No, not at all. The past does not define you. It's the choices you make. And, and, and you could hit reset buttons. I mean, the choices you make will follow you into the future, but it doesn't have to define you either. So if you make a mistake, you just hit the reset and, and, and start again, you know, and do, oh, whoops, I learned from that, move forward. And, uh, but yeah, it's, 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 it's fascinating. You know, and even more than the kids that we went to school with, or I went to school with is, you know, some of those teachers, teachers don't understand sometimes what a profound impact mm. they have on children. And, you know, Melissa and I talk about this. Some teachers are as bad about bullying the students as other kids are. Yeah. You know, I had a teacher that said, you know, you're never going to amount to anything. That's the one individual that I would love to run into today. You know, because they just don't understand, you know, 40 years later or more, that's still in my head. You know, that day, I clear as clear as anything. I remember that teacher saying to me, you're never going to amount to it. He's handing me a T-shirt, a paperback that I got an A on. Right. Like what provokes them to think that they supposedly got into this industry to make a positive impact on children's lives, but yet they feel inclined to make these negative comments. Is it, was he pissed off because I got an A on this paper and I never came to school? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. So I had a teacher that like, I had a teacher like on the flip side that was a lot of teachers actually were just amazing influences in my life. Cause a lot of times that was the only consistency I had was school. Right. But I had a teacher one time, give me a C for a book report. And what the book report I had to do was I had to act out or, or give a speech about the book. Right. And 
I woke up, I had read the book. I woke up that morning and just impromptu was like, okay, I think I'll talk about this bullet point, bullet point, point. walked up and then gave a talk. And, uh, he said to me afterwards, he's like, I gave you a C and I'm like, why did you give me a C? I did way better than like half the class. And he said, God gifted you with the gift of gab. You have to work for other things. He's like, don't you think you're smarter than half the other people? I said, yes. And he was like, so I'm not letting you skate by just because of the gifts God gave you. You need to work harder. And he, and I said, okay, fine. Can I do it again? And he said, yeah. So then I did, I, I did a book by the same guy. It was Tim O'Brien, right? And one was the things that carried and the other was another book. And I acted, I actually dressed up and then acted like I was the character for this seven minute speech. And so then afterwards he's like, okay, you get an A. And he's like, so now you did better than the whole entire class. But he's like, aren't you glad I didn't let you just skate by? And that hit me because I was like, yes, actually. I mean, at the time, no, I was ticked. I didn't want to do it again, right? But afterwards, it ended up being a lesson for the rest of my life that obviously I never forget. I mean, we have very little time on this podcast and I use that as a reference right on the spot. And yeah, teachers have a huge influence. Absolute huge influence. I think what he didn't realize is, well, I never came to school. I never missed a day of work. <laughs> Yeah, right. Never missed a day of work. And speech class is the one class. That's when I realized I had the ability to make people laugh. Right. You know what I mean? It was like, I was such an introvert, but I, in speech, I re- that's where I realized that I had the ability to make other people laugh. And that's addicting. When you, when you come to that and you realize that you have a sense of humor and other people appreciate it, it kind of, it, it kind of is addicting. To, and, and it's and it's just personality, right? But it is it is mm-hmm. kind of fun to to do that. But talking about um, getting back to our, our one of our topics today, you know, we were talking about how my teacher didn't let me skate by, and that affected my whole entire life and career. We have an example of somebody who wants to just skate by. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> we do. Okay, so before um, I'm going to have Francine give the whole entire context. Before Francine texted this to me like a couple of few days ago, and we posted this on LinkedIn a couple of times. So if you're listening to here, you don't follow us on LinkedIn. A lot of times we get ideas from you on LinkedIn, and also some of the stuff that we're going to talk about we post ahead of time. But Francine, you have got to got to tell everybody what you saw. And where you saw it. So I'm, I'm going to, but before I do that, I want to preface this by saying that, you know, and we both are very, very passionate about what we do. And we believe in, in food safety and that, you know, people shouldn't die or get sick from what they eat. And I got this coming off of a week from the Food Safety Summit, our podcast speaking with Dr. Darren Detweiler about the fact that his son died from eating, not eating, but coming in contact with somebody who'd gotten equal life from eating um, a sandwich from Jack in the Box. And it's like, so I'm, I'm at this peak of probably emotion anyway. From, and, and, tired, you know, and, and tired. And, and tired, you know, from everything that we've been through. So not that this wouldn't have really aggravated me anyway, but it really hit a nerve when I received this. I was looking for a virtual assistant. So I filled out this application and all the information that needed to go on it on a site called Upworks. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that or not, but it's a platform that you can use if you're looking for an employee or you're looking for work. So I received an email the other day. Somebody was looking for something very specific. And this is what the e- how the email reads. It says, hello, I require 11 HACCP certificates creating for 11 products. 
Our original manufacturer has gone out of business. However, we have stock that we are unable to sell without this HACCP. It is currently impossible for us to obtain this on the current batch. Therefore, we need to create HACCP certificates for each product to pass compliance so we do not lose the stock. Given our original, it does say out, our, our original manufacturer is out of business. Therefore, I need someone who is able to offer one of the following. One, high resolution PDF PNG image of legitimate HACCP that can be edited for our products. Okay. Legitimate certificate that can be edited for our products. Key point. This is not going to be legitimate no matter how you look at it, but they want a legitimate HACCP. Two, issuing of HACCP certificates for the 11 products, capital letters, without going through HACCP process. This is a simple requirement. Send me back 11 HACCP certs and the job is complete. No other activities or steps required that might be part of the HACCP process. I just need certificates to upload so we can sell our products. Simple requirement. Thanks. I cannot <laughs> tell you the fury that went through me when I read this. Now they're looking for a bid. You don't just yeah, yeah, automatically so, so, get this. Right. And so maybe we should put some context um, on uh, because a lot of people may not know. Uh, obviously, the, the fraud part of it is – but what HACCP is – and kind of where they are probably in the supply chain and why they're doing this. So HACCP is Hazard Analysis Critical Control Points. That's a, an acronym. And what it is is you go through the process of your manufacturing line and you look at where all of the hazards may occur on your line, which would be physical type of contaminants or chemical or biological. So physical would be like glass, metal, et cetera, like that. Uh, uh, chemical would be different types of soaps or or anything that pesticides or whatever uh, oil that that may be on some of the joints that move the manufacturing line anything that would be chemical like that and then biological of course would be the type of stuff that we talk talk about mostly here on don't eat poop which would be like e coli salmonella etc cetera, et cetera, listeria and you do this on your processing line to make sure that you've figured out how to control all those hazards where they may end up being in that process and this company got a bunch of product from a company that must not have had HACCP plans. And then they got all this product and then their supplier that manufactured this, this food product went out of business. And so now they're stuck with a warehouse full of product they shouldn't have bought to begin with. Mm -hmm. And then they have a client that must be saying, hey, I can't buy this product, which is correct. I can't buy this product without some sort of proof that the product that you had is food safety compliant, which would be HACCP plans. And so then he goes, wow, I can solve this problem. <laughs> I'm going to go on Upwork and I'm just going to have somebody manufacture fake HACCP certificates. That's right. I just need the documentation. Just send me these HACCP certificates. That's all I need is these HACCP certificates for these products. So then he sends out this bid to multiple people that he thinks might meet the criteria. Now, clearly, I'm not willing to do this, but... My curiosity gets the best of me. So I want to go in and see what's happening. Is it curiosity? Is it a combo of curiosity, vindictiveness? Well, it's not, there's no vindictiveness. I'm just. It's not vindictive. I'm not vindictive. Um, I'm, I just want to know. I wanted to know who the person. Did you ever. Did you ever. So then I said to Francine, like, apply for the gig. 
<laughs> like, because I was like, who's the company? And she's like, I can't find out unless I apply for the gig. And I was like, apply for the gig. <laughs> so I go in to find out as if I was going to apply. So I go in to try to figure out, like, where is this company? Who is this? And what's going on? What I say, 11 people had already applied. To, for, to manufacture to fraudulent make these certificates. certificates. Wow. So there's no shortage of people that are willing to do this. No. Not only that, but they had 50 other open jobs. Now, you know, what are they for? I don't know. But the one thing that I could tell is that they sell product on Amazon. Well, didn't you say one of them was for journal studies? Can you one job one one of the jobs that had already closed was that they had um they were writing scientific articles for journals. Like who is writing those? Well, I mean, what qualifications do they have? (laughs) Just go to chat chat GPT. Uh, You know what? I I have this product. I'm just going to plug it in and be like, hey, and just start asking it a bunch of prompts and then get your journal written right there. Oh my God. I just can't. Thank you, Elon Musk and Google and Microsoft for creating the ability for me to create journal articles just on the spot. It is just, this is why people die. Yes. Yes. So the industry, like, like 20 years ago, when we, when we first started, none of the retailers, or I shouldn't say none, but very few of the retailers and food service companies that, and, and major brands were really asking their suppliers for any type of good manufacturing practices. We call them GMP, good agricultural practices, GAP, HACCP certificates. They weren't asking, they weren't really asking for that, not on a very large scale. So over the last 20 years, the industry has shifted. Now they're asking their supply chain to really provide proof that uh, that you're providing safe product. And so that barrier of entry created a market for this fraudulent certificates. I mean, oh my gosh, we should talk about that too. I don't know if you want to talk about that now, but you could bring up the article about that guy that just got prosecuted for creating 49000 or $49 million worth of fake organic product. You posted that the other day. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's this, this, this company got, this guy got prosecuted for creating $49 million worth of fake organic product. And because there's a market or a value for these things, organics, non-GMO, even safe food, like providing that there's now an, uh, an illegitimate gray black market of people just printing these. I was, I was telling one of my very good friends. She used to work with me right when we started WQS, one of my certification bodies many years ago. She's at the house for my daughter's graduation. And I was showing her that article. I showed you her, showed her the text that you sent me. I showed her you like going off on LinkedIn about it too. She was, she was laughing at it. And then I, then I said, uh, you know, this, this is sad because now certification bodies are being propped up as like ghost printing shops. You know, and then they'll they get caught and they go out of business, and then somebody else will create it again. But it's it's sad. It, it, until we can really nail that down, people are going to start losing faith in really important labels. I'm going to be less than diplomatic here. These morons. <laughs> what they don't realize is when people like you and I go in and look at this documentation, whatever kind of log it is, whatever kind of document it is, you recognize. Yeah. That they're not legitimate. Right. You know, when you go in and you do health inspections or you go in and you look at, you know, you do an audit and you look at certificate after certificate after certificate or 
log after log after log. You know when the documentation is being falsified because that's what you do day after day after day. You know when it's not real. Just do the work. Yeah. Well, and you're talking about if like an actual audit is performed. But a lot of times the retailers and food service – yeah, yeah. So a lot of times the major – so this guy is – or gal, it could be a gal. I guess women could be fraudulent as well. <laughs> I should be equal opportunists in this. But like, is the is the warehouse most likely? And they have a bunch of product that they're sitting on, and they have clients, and so uh, it just behooves the uh, the the next people up the chain to really do their their due diligence and and make sure their suppliers are not sending them you know fake fake certificates. And some of the problem is that. The buyers don't always check. No, they don't. Oftentimes they don't. Yeah, not no, and not all of them. Now, there are some that I'm, are I'm not very saying good. all. I yeah. said often. They don't actually often. go in and look at the documents. It's like, yes, we have it. And then maybe it'll get sent and it's like, okay, here it is. But, you know, they're busy. You know, it's not intentional. Yeah. No, no, not at all. I mean, and, and it's harder the the more suppliers you have. So if you look at a grocery store, let's put this in the context of a grocery store, because I think that's tangible enough for, for, for people to really put an image in their head of okay, you go to a grocery store, think of all the different items in that grocery store. And all of those items come from most likely two to five, maybe even 10 suppliers, depending upon the perishability of the product. The retailer has to check on all of their suppliers and make sure that they are up to date on all their certificates for food safety, organic, non-GMO, every type of label you could see on the kosher, you know, all of that, hala, the whole entire thing. And that's that's a very difficult task to do. So a lot of them utilize data management systems to to do it, and then they'll flag if if someone's out of scope or blah, blah, blah. But a lot of times they're capturing images and it's hard to see on that image whether or not the certificate is 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 fake or not. So sometimes these retail or food service companies will have, you know, multiple people and that's their whole entire job is just making sure that their suppliers aren't sending them fraudulent info. Just take lettuce or spinach. How many different types of lettuce or spinach are there in the grocery store? Right. And there's one for each type. At least one. At least one. Right. And and every single type of lettuce you can think of and then put it into a bag. Right. So when you pull out a bagged lettuce, bagged salad, there could be dozen suppliers in that mm-hmm. for in that one bagged lettuce. Right. Yeah. So it's complicated. It'll keep happening until someone comes up with a 100% foolproof system to track everything. Right. Wow. So, so sad. I My, my, my head exploded. I mean, it was just like, <laughs> we're your, still your head walls. Did. <laughs> I do have to tell you, I really enjoy it when your head explodes, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Don't piss Francine off. It's not so a good this plan. Is the thing. It takes it, – you've known me for a long time. I don't get worked up that easily. No. But when it happens <laughs> – Watch out. <laughs> Watch out. like – I can, I can, I, I have an image of you at the house, and uh, uh, you're you're cooking dinner or something like that, and then something happens, and then your whole, and you're all now upset, and your whole family just exits door left. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't happen often at home. 
<laughs> no, hardly ever, really. <laughs> yeah, me too, me too. But I, but it, when it does, it is, it is kind of scary. Yeah, it's not good. All right, so, so what, what do you have for us next? What I want to talk about is, and we can totally relate this to the certification process. Have you heard about the guy that set up the restaurant for DoorDash? He decided that he wanted to create his own restaurant at home, DoorDash restaurant, for pizza delivery. Oh, yeah. You posted this a long time ago. Like how right. long ago was that? Oh, it's been it's been a little while ago. I don't feel like it's been like it's, – it's been several months ago probably. Um, I ran across him again. What he decided he wanted to do was create he, – he wanted to – it's a side hustle – so he decided that he wanted to create his own restaurant. So what he's going to do is he's going to sell pizza from his house. Right. So needs to be professional. He's going to have it delivered through DoorDash. So he goes out, he orders a whole bunch of pizza boxes. So he's got these professional looking pizza boxes. He goes to Walmart. Well, does he it, like, is it his own logo on the pizza boxes yes. too and everything? Yeah. yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Looks good. It's a little professional. <laughs> yeah. Goes to Walmart, buys all the frozen pieces that they have in stock, comes home. He cooks them in a the microwave. DoorDash guys are getting a little bit upset because, you know, he's getting a lot of delivery orders because they're inexpensive. They have to wait too long for the pizzas to come out, but they're picking them up at his house. He's has these, he's, he's getting all these are, are, Is he like legit using his own microwave? He's got a microwave? He's, he's legit cooking these in his house. Um, I think I might've seen a couple of them in the oven, actually in his oven. Nice. When I looked this up, he has five-star reviews. Of course. Five-star reviews on his pizzas. Now, what's the problem with this? Uh, Why? What are you talking about? Are you not American, Francine? (laughs) I mean, to me, this sounds like an entrepreneur. Pizza's good. He's got five-star reviews. DoorDash is picking him up and delivering him. It can't be wrong. No, no, no. And, and uh, I mean, he's got – he's like, dude, there has to be a market for cheap pizzas. And, I mean, why not buy the pizzas from the mic, uh, from the freezer section in a Sam's Club or a Costco or a Walmart? It's, it's created by people who are food scientists. And those food scientists are genius at making food taste amazing. It's probably chock full of MSG that he wouldn't be able to get in his own recipe. And he just puts it in the oven and sends it off. What's wrong with this, Francine? Walmart is selling them so they're safe, right? You can buy them and eat them at home. So why can't you sell them, right? The kid's got entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, he's got an even goes and he he prints off his own boxes to make sure the the marketing is consistent. This is – Maybe the problem would be that he's cooking it in his house. Maybe. Do you think he's got insurance? <laughs> I don't think he Does has he a license. Do have any liability insurance? <laughs> I mean, you a th- license? Do you need a license? You know, when you cook Does food need for a human consumption that you're selling, yes, I believe every state and municipality requires a license. Do you think he's collecting any sales tax or any – I mean, why would he need to, right? Um, well, if he, well mean, actually, that's not his issue. If he's selling it exclusively through DoorDash, they would do that all that for him, I think. Okay. Well, maybe not. It's a good question. I, I'm not sure how DoorDash works on that. I don't know if he's responsible for collecting any of that or not. Okay. So when you when you first – I think you and I had this conversation and it had to have been nine months ago when you posted this thing. Might and have been. My initial thought was, wow, yes, this is, this is totally illegal. He should not be – he should – if but what a, what a smart guy. <laughs> I mean, he didn't know all the stuff that he needs to do. Like, 
But he, he was no like, hey, I got to make. He's doing wrong. He has no, no idea. No, he's, he's like, dude, I'm going to make some extra money. There's some kids down the street doing a lemonade stand. What could go wrong? <laughs> I'm going to basically, I'm going to do the pizza version of a lemonade stand, but to your house. So, how did he set himself up as a vendor? Do you think, my my next question, shouldn't DoorDash have some curiosity questions if they're picking up pizza outside somebody else's house to deliver it? <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's, uh, come on, the drivers. I, I'm asking a question. I'm not placing blame. I mean, well, I the, don't. Uh, it's picked up by the drivers. It's not like an executive at DoorDash is picking up these pizzas. Well, no, at the but restaurant. I mean, yeah, I get you, what you mean, though. Is that a flaw in this system? Oh, th- there's a lot of flaws in this system. <laughs> there's a lot of flaws in this system. And so, uh, first off, obviously. I think I've done a webinar on that. <laughs> You know, and, and I remember seeing a picture. So this guy was very proud of what he did. Oh, I mean, he's super proud. He's posting it all over the place. He has no idea he's doing anything wrong. No idea he's doing Not anything wrong. No. But I mean, obviously, you have to have the kitchen cleaned and all that stuff. It has to be a third-party kitchen. <laughs> this is why there needs to be more to getting a license. Granted, he didn't have a license. He doesn't have a license. But this is why there needs to be more to getting a food service license in this country than just applying for one. Yeah. And saying, I want to open a restaurant. Yeah, because the pictures that he shows of his, of him, his little operation in his house. He's proud. He's very, very proud. And again, again, I give him all the credit in the world for his entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, the kid's going to go places. Yeah. <laughs> to jail. <laughs> no, no, not to jail. I'm no, kidding. I'm are- kidding. <laughs> I was, I, you know what, if I was, if, okay, if I was his dad, like I would be totally proud of this kid. I'd be like, oh, that's awesome. You just figured out a way of making some extra cash that, you know, doesn't theoretically hurt anybody, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but, he, but it's wrong. <laughs> he has the potential to hurt somebody. Wait a minute, wait but if a I was his dad, I wouldn't know. I mean, obviously I wouldn't know that that was wrong either, but most wait people don't. You said doesn't theoretically hurt anybody. He's selling pizza. But what if the next kid decides that he's going to sell some sushi out of his kitchen <laughs> and he goes out and buys nice containers yeah. and decides to make sushi from the home's kitchen and has DoorDash pick it up at his door and deliver oh, it? Oh, no. What, I, 100%. But what I'm saying is theoretically hurting anybody. I, uh, uh, what I mean by that is if you don't understand like – and that's why this is great that we're having this in a podcast because there's probably a lot of people that don't. There's probably a lot of people that do. Like, I think a lot of consumers would be like, wait, that was made in somebody's kitchen? No, thank you. Even if it was super cheap, probably not. But if you didn't know that and you didn't understand the problem, then it doesn't it, – what I mean is, is this is something that doesn't hurt anybody theoretically. And what I mean by that is you could totally hurt somebody, but you're not thinking down that line when you're just some kid picking up pizzas at, a, at the frozer section and then, and then baking them and shooting them out. I wonder what the like is this half the price of a regular pizza? Like, I mean, if he's buying the pizzas for like a buck ninety nine when they're on sale, wiping out the freezer and selling them for six bucks, I don't know what yeah. the commission to DoorDash is, but he's making a killing. Oh yeah, until he gets caught, which he did on purpose. I mean, people demand our personalities. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? So we we tend to be very sarcastic and tongue in cheek, which is kind of the purpose, but you know, somebody that. No, what are, and I, I agree. So that'd be, that would be interesting. Cause like living on the coast, I said earlier, I worked on the beach. There's a lot of people that go out deep sea fishing. I used to do that all the time. Go and get cod and then have ceviche right on the boat. Right. And so if you're living in some of those areas where literally you can just <laughs> go out and go fishing, 
get some seafood and they'd be like, hey, I'm going to make some sushi for for DoorDash. <laughs> it's like a hobby equals profession. Yeah, probably, probably not good. But, you know, it's interesting. So, so the C- I'm thinking about this like CSA, which is uh, – Consumer supported agriculture, I think is what that stands for, CSA, where people are, you know, hiring from a, getting the farmer to bring them a box or they go and get a box of vegetables directly from the farmer. In some ways, that could be similar. I mean, it's not the same thing, but thinking it in like a different uh, segment of the marketplace, you may not know what that farmer is doing with those vegetables. So, but if you had the ability to go and, and, and you know the farmer, that's like the best product you can get. But if you don't know the farmer and you don't know where the produce is coming from, it could be the it could be the worst product you could get. Like they're not supposed to spread human waste on the fields. But what if they are? Don't eat poop. Don't eat poop. Don't eat poop. There you go. And with that, <laughs> don't eat poop. We'll call it a day. We'll call it a day. <laughs>